Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Tonight, or for some of you this morning, the subject of our study is entitled The Value of Spiritual Maturity and the Role of the Fivefold Ministry Gifts in Maturing the Believers. The Value of Spiritual Maturity and the role of the fivefold ministry gifts. Let's turn together to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, and we're going to read just one verse, and I'm reading from the NIV translation. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. I believe that spiritual maturity is the key to life. It is to be sought after by every single one of us with zeal and passion. There is a desperate need within the house of God for us to grow up and become spiritually mature and in the understanding of the ways of God, of the nature of God, of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and of our rights and privileges as citizens of the kingdom of God. Many of the problems we face in the church today is the result of spiritual immaturity. I want to repeat that because that is a true statement. Many of the problems we face among us within the house of God is the result of spiritual immaturity. When believers reach a state of spiritual maturity, I believe they are able to deal wisely and successfully with the challenges of life. Spiritual mature people are the most stable, the most unshakable, unafraid, as well as joyous people on the face of the earth. They are secure in God and secure in themselves in Christ Jesus. The reason being is because they realize that they are primarily citizens of the kingdom of God, that they, that kingdom will never be shaken regardless of what goes on in this natural physical world. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 28 says, Therefore, 
since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Believers who are born again by the Spirit of God have a dual citizenship. They have a natural one as well as a spiritual one. Paul, speaking to the believers in Philippi, says to them in chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, he says the following, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stop there for a moment and ponder on that thought. Your citizenship is in heaven. That means you are a citizen of the kingdom of God that has never known defeat, retreat, a kingdom that will never be shaken and never be troubled. Isn't that good news, folks? Praise God for our citizenship. And together with that citizenship, there are certain rights and privileges that we need to understand and have a revelation of. Some of us take more pride, I believe, in our natural citizenship than in our spiritual one. We consider our natural identity more important than our spiritual one. And this is because, by and large, we are in the dark concerning the glorious inheritance and the privileges our heavenly citizenship provides us. There was a time in my walk with the Lord <laughs> that I was more proud of my Greek heritage than of my Christian inheritance. And that was because I didn't know any better. Well, thank God I have grown since that day. I have matured a little bit more and I value and consider my citizenship in heaven far more important, far more glorious than my natural heritage uh, or my natural identity. Those two cannot even be compared. You know, some people, as I said this morning, take so much pride about the family tree, the family tree. And someone, uh, a favorite preacher of mine said, never mind that that tree has never produced anything but a bunch of nuts, but they're still so proud of the family tree. Well, I am so proud of my Christian heritage of my spiritual inheritance in Christ Jesus that is glorious beyond description. Well, there are a multitude of believers in that state of mind today who would argue, who would fight to defend their nationality and their natural heritage, but at the same time are completely ignorant of the spiritual heritage in Christ Jesus. Citizens of heaven, according to the scriptures, are given a glorious inheritance in Christ, as well as certain rights and privileges by virtue of the birthright. 
which are protected by the constitution of our covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation knowledge of our inheritance and privileges empowers us to such an extent as believers to live differently from the rest of the world. That's what separates us from the sinners, from those who do not know God. John the Apostle says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. What a statement. What a glorious statement. Think about that. You are of God. You are from God. And because you are of God, John says, you already have overcome them. Who's them? All the devil and the demons and, and everything that comes against us. You're not going to overcome. You are already an overcome because you are of God and you are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the greater one lives within you and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world we need to see ourselves as such you need to see yourself not as a victim but as a victor because the word describes you as an overcomer and we should often declare and confess out loud to ourselves i am a world overcomer I am a demon overcomer. I am a devil overcomer because I am in Christ Jesus. Praise God for our glorious inheritance. Amen. Unfortunately, not many believers possess this kind of knowledge. We seem to know it in our head, but it hasn't filtered down deep in our hearts and taken root and become a reality and an experience in many of us. That's why the Word of God says we need to meditate on the Word night and day, day and night, until the Word becomes part of us. As it is written, and the Word became flesh. In other words, the Word of God becomes a living experience and a reality. Well, as I said, unfortunately, not many believers possess this kind of revelation knowledge. And of course, as a result, continue to live in a cycle of fear. Many believers are fearful of what is going on around them today. There is no reason for us to fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. No matter what goes on around, no matter what goes on in the world, because you are not of the world. You might be in the world, but you are not of the world. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. Amen. We need to understand and have a deep revelation knowledge concerning this. Therefore, we need to resist fear. There is no fear in the kingdom of God. Where God reigns and rules, fear cannot come. It's not part of us. It's not natural for the born-again believer to live in fear. Many live in a cycle of uncertainty and insecurity. 
Why? Because the knowledge that we're speaking about has not become part of their lives. And we need to resist, stand against, defeat, fear, anything that does not come from heaven or from the kingdom of God does not belong to us. Therefore, we need to rise up and with the knowledge of God, begin to resist those things that contradict who we are in Christ Jesus. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says the following, God says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Any area of your life that is being defeated, that is being destroyed, you need to understand that you lack knowledge in that particular area. So you need to go to the word and study the scriptures concerning that particular sphere of your life and get the word of God into your mind, into your heart, into your mouth, so that you can overcome that destruction. Amen. I believe that the greatest enemy of the believer is ignorance. Ignorance is our enemy. Things that we do not know can easily destroy us. Isaiah 5 verse 13 says, Therefore my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. He's not talking about academic knowledge. He's talking about spiritual revelation, understanding of the things of God, of our rights, of our privileges as children of the Most High God. As I've mentioned, the kingdom that you belong to and the kingdom that you are part of and I has never known defeat, has never known retreat, but only advancement. Isaiah chapter 9 says that of his kingdom there shall be no end. It continues to grow and its influence multiply and will continue to grow until the kingdom of God overcomes the kingdoms of this world and Christ becomes the king of heaven and of the kingdoms of this earth. The kingdom of God has never experienced any kind of lack. There is no recession in the kingdom of God. There is no poverty in God's kingdom. Those things don't exist in the realm where God rules and reigns as king. But it takes a revelation of the kingdom of God in all of its aspects before one becomes immovable in his faith. And how I pray, and that's my prayer, that's the desire of my heart, that this kind of knowledge, this revelation knowledge, becomes part of every believer in Christ, permeating every aspect of our lives. And this is the task the primary task, I believe, of the fivefold ministry of Christ to release this kind of revelation knowledge through the ministry gifts to the church and bring the body of Christ into spiritual maturity. That's what we're talking about, the value of spiritual maturity. Let's look at together. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through to 14, 
a very important verse of scripture here that confirms what I just said, that it is the primary task or function of the fivefold ministry to bring the church from a state of immaturity into a state of spiritual maturity. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through to 14, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, says the following. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. As you can see from what we just read, the fivefold ministry gifts were given to the church for this purpose, to build up the church, the body of Christ, and bring us into the fullness of the knowledge of the Son of God, so that we will no longer be children in our understanding, but fully grown and matured believers. So the question then arises, why then so many are still children within the house of God, tossed and blown about by every wind that blows. Today, they hot, tomorrow they cold. Today, they up, tomorrow they down. Now they fearful, now they insecure, now they believe, now they are in doubt. You know, blown away. As James says, double-minded. Why are we shaken? Why are we troubled? Why are we fearful? Why are we worried about what is taking place in our world today? Well, to answer that question, I believe there are a number of reasons as to why the church is still in its infant stage. But one of the main reasons, I believe, is because the fivefold ministry of Christ is not fully recognized, not fully honored or received in many sections of the church today. In some denominations, they will not even acknowledge the ministry or the office of an apostle or prophet. They believe that that passed away with the 12 apostles. Unless all of the gifts are recognized, all of the gifts that God has given to the church through these men, anointed men and women, unless they all honor and given the proper place by all of the church, we will continue to suffer from what I call spiritual malnutrition. There are a lot of sections in the church today that are not 
being given the right diet. They continue to feed them with milk and milk and milk. Well, you give milk to babes, but uh, there comes a time when, when we got to put away the milk and receive solid food. Amen. Are you still there? So they are suffering from malnutrition. Let me give you my testimony here, which will bear witness to what I'm sharing with you. I was born again in the city of Johannesburg, South Africa, one evening at a Christian gathering. And after a few days, I came back to my wife, whom I had left. And I came back to her in a small town in Zimbabwe called Masvingo. Well, the church that I was introduced to when I came as a, a newborn babe in Christ, it was very small. And the pastor very young. And he was fresh out of Bible school. His experience and knowledge of the word was very little, but my hunger for God and the things of the spirit during that time was great. I had an incredible hunger to learn and to grow as a believer. And for a season, I became spiritually stagnant due to a lack of fivefold ministry teaching. Well, I had not been exposed to any other fivefold ministry gift. And as a result, I could not grow spiritually, even though I was hungry for the things of God. Then one day, my then pastor went down to South Africa to a Christian conference. He attended the conference where various fivefold ministry gifts were invited to speak and to teach. Listening, well, he brought back with him some teaching tapes from the conference, which he graciously uh, distributed to the church. I remember this very clearly. I got hold of some of those teachings. Listening to those teachings on tape, those days we had tapes. I don't know, uh, I'm sure some of you can identify with that. Of course, that is done away today. Listening to those teachings on tape was like heaven began to open up for me and introduced me to a whole new world of revelation knowledge. I would sit for hours in my office there at the supermarket over and over again. I would put my earphones into my phone and I would into my ears and I would listen to those teachings on tape over and over again and study the teaching I received. I would make notes. I would look up the scriptures and continue to listen to them. Well, Furthermore, because I was so hungry for the word, I got hold of the ministry offices, those fivefold ministers, and began to order some additional teaching tapes on all the subjects that I wanted to learn and receive additional knowledge. This is why the Lord put on our hearts at the, at the end of last year, he put it on my heart that we need as a ministry team of Alpha and Omega Ministries International to deepen the knowledge of the word 
in those whom God has given us to disciple. This is the reason we're launching this foundational course, so that we may teach you the first foundational principles of Christ, so that from there you can go on to maturity, grow in the things of the Spirit. But you cannot do that unless you have the foundation in place. I remember subjects such as faith, prayer, righteousness, the Holy Spirit, divine healing, financial prosperity, divine protection, and many other subjects became my study day after day after day. As I opened myself to these men of God in the fivefold ministry, I began to grow spiritually by leaps and bounds. And within a couple of years, I was ready, I was equipped to step into my God-given ministry, into my God-given calling. And what a road it has been. Now, these men, these fivefold ministry gifts, these anointed men prepared me for works of service, as Ephesians chapter 4 says, and brought me into my spiritual calling or spiritual inheritance in Christ. I believe to this day I owe my spiritual maturity and ministry to these men of God who mentored and discipled me through the Word of God. And to this day, in my heart, I honor them and continue to bless them financially. Some of them have gone on to be with the Lord now, but I continue to bless their ministries because I owe them so much. And I recognize the value of what these men have put into my life. They have not only touched me, but they have touched you through my ministry. The reason I believe we are still shaken, we're still afraid, many of us, we're still worried, and insecure about what goes on around us, including worldly affairs, is because we are still children, spiritually speaking. Hello, are you still out there? If you can't say amen, say, oh me. If you're still afraid, if you're still insecure, if you're still going to bed at night and you can't sleep because you're worried about this and you're worried about that, and you worried about the plague and the virus and the financial situation and on and on and on, you're still a spiritually, a spiritual child. And so my word to you, <laughs> don't ask me to pray for you because if I do, I'm gonna pray that you grow up. Hello? <coughs> Amen. <clears throat> the reason we're still fussing still fighting about things that have no real value in the eyes of God and in the value of eternity is because we're still children in our understanding. And so all of us have heard this expression, you know, and I said it and I'm going to say it again, grow up. And that's what we need to do. Grow up, spiritually speaking, put away childish behavior, which greatly dishonors our Heavenly Father. 
The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, says in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Well, I believe it is high time that the church of Jesus Christ awakes out of spiritual slumber, puts away childish behavior, and begin to walk this earth as spiritual men and women who know who they are and know what they are called to do and walk with God day by day. But in order to do this, we must first of all give honor and place to the person of the Holy Spirit within us who is working and part of his ministry is to bring us out of immaturity into spiritual maturity, but also to give honor to the fivefold ministry gifts who are called to bring us out of immaturity or spiritual infancy into spiritual maturity. Paul says something very interesting to the Galatian believers, and I want you to turn there and read it in your own Bible. Galatians chapter 4, <clears throat> verses 1 and 2, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Galatians 4, verse 1 and 2 says this. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything the father had. They have to obey the guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. This is an interesting statement or rather principle Paul makes here. And this is what he says. As long as we remain spiritual children, we are no better than slaves, even though we are the inheritors of all that Christ Jesus bought and paid with his own precious blood. We will never experience our inheritance as long as we refuse to grow up spiritually. We will be treated as slaves, subject to guardians and tutors, subject to written rules and regulations, even though Jesus set us free from all bondage. You see, a slave, for example, is externally governed. He's told what to do and how to do it. He's told where to go and where not to go. Another aspect of being a child is that children cannot be trusted with responsibility. They have to be watched all the time. They are selfish, always up to mischief, fussing and fighting about anything and everything. I see that from my own grandchildren. They come and, and sometimes one takes the toy of the other one. Oh man, then they're crying and they're screaming, that's my toy, no, that's mine. And they fuss and fight about things, you know? Well, 
Don't laugh because we do the same thing so often. Amen. Whereas mature sons and daughters of God are governed not by written rules and regulations, but by the spirit within. They don't need someone to tell them what to do. They know what to do. Hello. They take initiative. They are creative. They know the father's heart and willingly lay down their lives to serve the kingdom of God and the interests of the kingdom of God. They don't need to be told to pray. They pray because they love to spend time in the presence of God. They don't need to be told to pay their tithes or to give offerings. Why? Because they love God. They know the heart of God. So they willingly and joyfully give of themselves, give of their substance because they've grown up and they have become mature and they consider it a great privilege to be able to honor the Lord with their substance. The reason why pastors stand up on the pulpit and they preach a sermon for half an hour every time to receive an offering and try and conjure up things and 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 work on their emotions is because children, you know, believers are still children. So it's time, folks, that we become mature sons and daughters of God that are led and governed by the inward witness, by the Spirit of the Lord within us, by the promptings of the Spirit within. And that's what Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Amen. Sons that are mature, they stand fast in the liberty and freedom that Christ purchased for them. And they refuse to give in to bondage they came out of. Spiritual maturity, I believe, is the key and the solution to the many problems we face, both as individuals as well as in our churches today. Now, <clears throat> let's examine for a few minutes the various functions of the fivefold ministry gifts to the church. The function of an apostle, when he's received as such, will bring into your life, as well as the life of the church, stability. He will bring divine order. Furthermore, he will bring correction. He will correct you and discipline. And of course, with that comes the fear of the Lord. You will be established in your faith because that's what an apostle and a prophet do. They establish churches. They establish people in the faith. And he will put immovable spiritual foundations beneath your feet. He will impart to you wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. The three most important ingredients to build anything that will last in this world. A prophet, a true prophet will, will bring spiritual alignment with the heart and the mind of God 
as he reveals God's plans and purposes for the church in the hour that we are living in. He will bring clarity. He will bring fresh vision as he calls the church back to the heart of God. And he will promote holiness in the fear of the Lord. Where a prophet is received will destroy idolatry and he will root out sin in the church. God's definition of the prophetic ministry, if you want to study it in detail, is described in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Let's look at that for a moment. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth, and see, I have set, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. And that's what a true prophetic ministry does. They root out, they pull down, they destroy the works of the evil one in the life of the church, in the life of a believer, and they build up the church and they plant new things, new vision, new direction, new insight. In addition, the prophetic ministry will bring exhortation, encouragement, and strength to the body of Christ, and they do that through the preaching and the teaching as described in Acts chapter 15, verse 32. Now Judas and Silas themselves being prophets also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. The evangelist inspires and imparts to the church a passion to see the lost saved and brought into the kingdom of God. His message is one. And that is Christ and him crucified. They are, he's followed, his ministry is followed by signs, wonders, and miracles. And he draws huge crowds to his meetings. He's got a spectacular ministry with signs and wonders. His ministry is also one that not only inspires us to go after the lost, but he teaches the church how to share our faith and how to lead people to Christ in an effective way. Let's look at the shepherd's ministry. The shepherd's ministry or the pastor's ministry is one that is characterized by loving care and concern for the people of God. He carries, I believe, a father's heart. He feeds the flock of God. He nurtures the flock and tends to their needs. He also guards spiritually and protects the flock from false and deceiving teachers and false prophets and false apostles. And he lays down his life for the sheep. If you want to know in detail the functions of the pastors or the shepherd's ministry, Psalm 23 describes in detail the ministry of the shepherd. The teacher 
is one who explains the scriptures in a simple and systematic way, enabling the church to understand and grasp spiritual truths which edify and strengthen the believer. He is gifted and he carries an anointing to teach the word. And as he does, he imparts truth and revelation knowledge from the word of God. All of these gifts that I mentioned are important and necessary for the church to grow and mature in the things of God. I these five gifts that I mentioned to the church are like if I can put it like college professors or university lecturers who are skilled in the field of expertise and they have the ability to equip and to empower believers for works of service. Learning to recognize them receiving them as such is the key to our spiritual maturity it is possible i believe and and more likely that one person can function in more than one of these offices paul called himself a preacher and a teacher of the word before he was released into his apostolic ministry the word says he functioned as a prophet and a teacher. Pastors more likely than uh, teachers of the word as well. Prophets also carry a teaching anointing and are able to teach as well as preach. Now, these fivefold ministers of the gospel, I would like to liken them like spiritual blacksmiths. What does a blacksmith do? He will take a piece of raw iron and turn it into a weapon of war. Amen. And that's what these guys do. They will take newborn believers, ignorant students of the word of God, and turn them into spiritual warriors. So, let us therefore recognize them as such honor them as we ought to honor them jesus said he who receives a prophet in the name of the prophet will receive a prophet's reward by the same principle i say that he who receives the fivefold ministry gifts will receive the fivefold ministry rewards which is what? Spiritual maturity. And let me conclude my study tonight with a prayer that I have uh, written here for us to pray. I want you to agree with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise for the gifts you have freely given to the church to equip us and to bring us into our spiritual inheritance in Christ. We pray for discernment so that we may recognize these gifts, receive them as such, and honor them as we should. Grant us, we pray, spiritual hunger and thirst 
for the things of the spirit and by your grace open up our hearts to receive all of your gifts and the teaching they bring in order to mature us in christ we ask this in the name of jesus your precious son amen and amen thank you for listening to this message for additional resources or more information about this ministry come and visit us at alpha omega int.org.za